Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Rambling Viking Podcast. Going to keep today's episode short and sweet. Uh, first and foremost, I uh, want to do a little poll of the listeners and say every time that I am relaxing, usually on a weekend, but sometimes on a weekday, afternoon, or evening, and I'm and I decide, you know. It's one of those real casual doze naps where you're maybe you're watching some TV or you're doing something. And you're like, oh, I'm a little sleepy. Maybe I'll just like not even necessarily go lay down, but I'll just recline and I'll just I'll, I'll just kind of lay back, like turn everything off so it's totally silent and just just kind of you know doze for twenty or thirty minutes or however long. Well, every time that I've gone to do that, a real casual cat nap. Every time, one of two things happens. Right as I'm, I'm getting to that sweet spot of like dozing where I'm mostly asleep but still a little, little bit awake. Either somebody knocks on the door and not planned either. Random knocks on the door. For whatever reason, it's like pest control people. It's um, someone who is asking if uh, I would need my lawn mowed. Like those are the two most popular that happens, knock on my door, an unplanned one, not one that was like, oh, I was expecting a delivery or something like that. Totally random, so it jars me out of it. And then after that, you're kind of awake and aware because you have to have a little bit of a coherent conversation. Telling the pest guy, no, I don't want to spend 40 bucks a month for you to treat me every three months. That is absurd. That's almost $600 a year. Well, here, you know, we'll do the exact math. We'll be precise here. So, yeah, it's $480 a year. Sorry, almost 500 bucks a year for to get treated every to get treated four times. Um, I better never see a bug in or around my house or in my yard ever 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 if I'm paying that much money for you to come treat. And you'll do free treatments in between, supposedly. Well, Good for you. But so either I get knock on the door or I get a phone call. And once again, it's not a random plan phone call where I was, you know, maybe in the middle of a conversation with someone. And they said, oh, I'll just call them real quick, something like that. No, it is totally random out of the blue. And I, what I actually started doing is putting my phone on do not disturb because you know what they were? They were like, they were random, um, not telemarketers, but like just these random one-off calls that had nothing to do. And I'm like, well, there goes that potential nap. Totally ruined. Does this ever happen to you guys? Does this ever happen to anyone else? Or am I just the unfortunate soul who gets blessed with daytime interruptions the for the tw- that one 20-minute increment that I'm just trying to doze and snooze and relax? I don't know. But it happened again today, and I'm a little bit annoyed by it because I was like, I'm going to take a nap, and I'm going to do this podcast episode, and... Literally not even five minutes into dozing. Knock, knock, knock. Some pest control dude. I'm like, and, and, no, try to treat the whole neighborhood. And their pitches are all the same. They have all these same tactics, like, where they would talk about, you know, you've been seeing these bugs around, this bug, that bug. So, you know, it's the yard. And, oh, we're doing big neighborhood discount. We're treating everybody on the street. But he only lists two people who live on the street out of the 25 that are on this street or whatever. And I'm like, hmm, sounds like you're only treating a couple people, but you're trying to upsell and get the whole street. And I'm just like, dude, I have the cell phone treatment. Like, I would rather go out and spend 150 to $200 on 
on the chemicals and the pesticides and things like that and then take a day and self-treat around my house my and my yard myself then spend almost $500 in a calendar year for you to keep the bugs out. Because what I found is that self-defense stuff or the, the do-it-yourself home defense bug spray for the most part like works. Yeah, bugs come through every now and again and I got to retreat, but for the most part, does a really good job. And if you get roaches, get some roach traps. It's pretty simple. Goodness, but that's that's the end of the opening rant. You're welcome for that. Today, <laughs> that has nothing to do with what I was actually going to talk about in this episode. So this episode, you know, everybody, we've come to the point, all right? The, the silent majority can't even be silent anymore. And everybody has to say something. I've seen a lot of... I don't normally get political, but here's my two cents post on Facebook. And I was like, man, do I want to do an episode about this? Do I want to jump on the train that everybody is apparently on in talking about this stuff? Do I want to be a part of this? And in in some ways, I'm like, no, I kind of want to not just be in counterculture. Because it's just one of those situations where literally everybody, and I mean people who never post like political or big rant pieces everyone's doing it everyone's in the comment section and then what i what i've realized though and this is something that i'd already kind of the conclusion had already kind of been made and i'd heard it somewhere is that is that the silent majority what i see is a lack of reason and a loss of reason and a disconnect from reality in terms of basically the narratives that we're trying to be fed are working and people are really buying into and just repeating headlines and which i'm guilty of but but not actually thinking things through. Surprise, surprise. People not thinking things through and crazy stuff happening. <clears throat> so I, I realized that, look, what's the best chance at kind of a return to reason, at getting through this and coming out better on the other side and not seeing our society crumble around us? Well, it's certainly not letting the crazy people run wild and the reasonable people just go about living their day-to-day lives or... Uh, I think it's actually the reasonable people being like, hey, quit it. You know, you got, think about it like this way. You got, you got a group of like preschool age kids in a room and they start getting rambunctious and gets crazy. What happens? You doll that step in the room and say, hey, and set, set them straight with a little bit of reason. They'll play fine 90% of the time. You can let them be their crazy kid selves. But then every now and again, you need the reasonable adult to just step in and be like, hey, quit that. Calm down. You two, separate. Go over there and cool down. You know, that kind of situation. Like, you need the... What do they call it? De-escalation. Hmm. Well, that's, that's what I see is that we're missing. And so, I figured, whatever. I'll throw my, throw my thoughts into the ether here. And we'll see what happens. So, today, really, really what I'm going to hone in on is what I've come up... The term that I've come up with that I see is happening. We're fishing for racism. So, always need a preface with some clear-cut statements here. Racism exists. Not disputing that. Racists exist. Not disputing that. I am simply disputing the level to which those things exist in our, specifically we'll say our country, but in our, in our world. Because in our world, I think it's way more prevalent than we realize outside of the United States and certain, especially once you get into the less developed parts of the world, there's absolutely, there's still, there's still pretty much straight up slavery in places. 
slave labor and things like that. Like, very much so. It's very real. And another another important thing, racism and racists will always exist. It's a matter of at it's a matter of how prevalent will they be. And I think honestly we're at a point where it's the least prevalent it's ever been. But but the reporting and the sensationalizing of it is at a high point. And the problem is in that goes into the population and so that's what we start perceiving the world through and now any incident ever is looked at the first thing you think about are the race dynamics you don't look at the situation the context the parties involved and then the the events that happen you look at you look at what uh who who was involved and how much melanin was in their skin or what is their ethnicity and then then judgments start getting made and honestly, some of this stuff, what I, how I compare it is I think about like America has been so prosperous and profitable and honestly has worked so well. Yes, it has its bad history. Everyone has freaking bad history. You know what? Look back at your own personal history and think about all the dumb mistakes that you have made throughout your life, all the bad things that you have done or been a part of. Guess what? That, that's just that's just how life works. I'm not excusing it. No. But you you know what on the same on the same note, you know what you've done a lot of good things. You've had a lot of successes. You've gotten to the point where you're at and you're hopefully becoming a well rounded, good human being and somebody who's a productive member of society. That's that's the anticipation. But what you see is when when people you know they say wartime makes strong men, and then peacetime times of peace make uh, what do they say weak men or soft men or something. I don't know, but it makes it, it like it, it leads to because it, you're peaceful, but then you don't have your, the men in your society aren't being called to go through something hard, truly hard and arduous. And I think that's what we're seeing some of this be the replications of is. Uh, the repercussions, um, the repercussions, not a word. I mixed reparations and repercussions. Repercussions of is a, a well-functioning society with no, oh, it's hard to, I'm going to get disputed, with no continually overt problems. They are continually reported, the, the problems are always reported on. But it's not as continuous and as widespread as made to believe because that's just what's reported on. At least that's my belief. And I think it's kind of proven right when you start looking at numbers. And so what happens What happens when you don't have real problems? Just like when you have a vacuum of power that someone or something will always be there to, uh, to fill the vacuum of power for better or for worse. And that's what our founders understood about the human condition, and so that's why our country is set up, our government is set up in the way that it is, and it checks and balances to prevent a, va- a true vacuum from forming and then it becoming tyrannical. That's that's the idea there, which the foresight and the understanding of just human nature and history in general is incredible for um, those men to, who, who found this great nation to come to that conclusion and be able to build a government that doesn't allow for that. To, to come forth. So just like when you have a vacuum of power, someone or something is always there for fill it. 
Same as when you have a vacuum of true problems and hardships a lot of times. What happens is people find things to fill that vacuum of problems. Because naturally there's something about us where it's like we anticipate to have issues. We anticipate to have problems, you know. Expect the unexpected. A plan never goes, you know, exactly perfect. There's always something that happens. And so that's what we're taught. And I mean, that's what is true. But it's like when it's a situation when like a plan goes perfectly, like goes to the T and you, and you almost sit back, you know, they always say in the movies is like, it was easy. It was too easy. You know, like it was like something's off. It was made this way. And so something actually something else is happening and this is going to blow up in our faces somehow. That we're, I don't know. I'm skeptical like that a lot of times. When something goes too well, I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm like, hmm, seems like there should have been more struggle there. Well, the same is true, I think, for uh, problems. So not just power when it comes to human nature, but problems. And such that, you know, we've all heard of fishing for compliments, you know, where someone's looking, they're, they're talking in such a way that they're hoping someone's going to give them a compliment. Either it's self-deprecating or they're just bringing up accomplishments or things like that and hoping that people are like, wow, good job. Way, way to go. Pat you on the back. And we all kind of have been there and been around someone who's doing that or maybe we've done it ourselves and nobody really likes that. But what I'm seeing is we're now fishing for racism because we want – I think there's there's a portion of people who truly want to believe that the system is still very racist and very broken and very much uh, against, uh, against black people specifically because that's really – they'll say people of color. But really it's just we're looking at the – we're looking at the black community here. Um, but then they'll lump in other – so you're minority communities, and 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 so and and I see this in the media too, and that's the same. That's the narrative that wants to be p- pushed, and so then when so so instances get brought up where the race dynamics don't look good, where it looks like it could fit that narrative of see, told you so, it's broken. You know, we're looking for some confirmation bias here, but then when you actually look at the facts of the matter, you say. Uh, no, you're, you're, you're projecting what you want the world to be onto the situation. That's not actually happened. And here's where we get into the meat potatoes of everything. So that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from on this is because we've seen in the past month, several instances where that are, that when you truly look at it, you say, you know, I don't see, I don't see an overt act of racism here. Or some sort of systematic racism being employed. What I see are bad people and bad situations leading to bad outcomes. And I'm not so I'm so I'm not going to sit here and say that these situations are all of a sudden no longer bad or or anything like that. No, everyone everyone agrees here. That's the other thing too that with all these protests and stuff, you have people coming out saying, "Oh, protest!" When really everyone's on the same page about this crap. Everyone is on the, nobody is disputing, you know, we'll get into the details. Nobody is disputing. We'll start with George Floyd, George Floyd, who kicked all this off, which also I think in part all of this nonsense is, all of this unrest and rioting and protesting is happening and chop Chaz creation. It's all, it was like the perfect storm. The pressure cooker was there and someone just hit, George Floyd was the valve switch that sent the, 
the, the pressure release, and that's what we're seeing because you had the coronavirus, people, things were shut down for months on end, people were unemployed, people were antsy, and then boom, one big scenario, and it sets it all off. You know, straw that broke the camel's back. And people will say that, well, yeah, this is about, you know, all the racist stuff. And really what bothers me is they'll, they'll lump together actual bad incidents that were where it was a problem and it very well could have been racially motivated to incidents that were just... That when you actually look at the full context, it wasn't racist, first of all. And a lot of times, actions were justified. And when you when you truly try and say, okay, in a snap situation where everything happens within five seconds and I'm seemingly, um, you know, could be thinking about my life in my own hands, how can I sit here and say, oh, I would have done something different? Because well, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So we'll just talk about this. Kicked it off with George Floyd. And Officer Chauvin, whatever his name is, Chauvin. First and foremost, when you see that, you say, gosh, that is awful. Almost 10 minutes of a guy just ramming his knee with his weight on the back of some guy's neck. And then ultimately he died. Was it murder? Mm, I think it's a form of manslaughter because murder requires intent. But um, either way, he fired, arrested, and charged within a week. Which, you know, before this, when all these instances happened, what was always a complaint? Well, they get off easy, or months go by and nothing happens to them, you know, and they don't get they don't get put on administrative leave or whatever, and it just kind of gets brushed under the rug. What happened this time, dude? Actions were taken, charges were filed. Like he's going to prison for a long time, and guess what? Problem solved. And we, but the, here's the thing. Is, is that I'm learning is that these same people that were saying, oh, well, you know, the problem is there was no, there's never any justice for these people. You got justice this time. So what do we want? Oh, well, now we're going to look at the larger system here and complain about the, this is a sign of the larger system. And now what they're saying is too, what you saw is they, they, they were like, no, 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 we want first degree murder. And they finally upped it to second degree murder. Well, the problem is that when you overcharge, it makes it harder to convict. And guess what? You may not be able to convict this a-hole now. And he may have to get minor charges and may not get the time that he should have deserved if you would have properly charged him. That's the thing is legally you have to look at what grounds you need to get a certain conviction with a certain charge. And you have to look at the situation and see, does it fit this charge? Well, just because you see this as an injustice doesn't mean you can flippantly say, well, it's first-degree murder or it's second-degree murder. There are certain qualifications. We all agree, super bad and an awful, terrible thing that happened. So let's get into some of the details. First and foremost, this was not a race-based killing. Two things that are important when you see this. First thing you have to ask, is there any sort of uh, background or context, history, whatever you want to call it, with the officer in the incident? Oh, guess what? He had like 18 um, complaints, previous complaints and things and instances like this where, I, I don't know the specifics, but he had 18 complaints prior to this and had, had have, and he, is someone, is a problem child as a cop? Oh, well, you know what that means? That means that, um, first of all, guy's a bad cop, which means you can't read too much into the race. And doesn't mean he's not absolved of potentially um, being racially motivated here. But it definitely, it definitely makes the case for that. Maybe this guy's just a crappy cop and black, white, orange, yellow. 
he would have he would have just laid into this guy's knee. No problem. And then oh, I just got derailed. But anyway, so you look at that and say, hmm. So then that puts a little bit of doubt in the fact that, okay, it was just a black guy. And the second thing you have to look at is you say, okay, what was the victim? What was the situation with the victim? What was this overall situation? Was it he was doing something innocuous and uh, this this officer came up and, you know, just wanted to confront him and interrogate him on just being black in public? No, what do we look at? So let's look at George Floyd. Man has a criminal history. He's been out for five years uh, after committing a heinous, terrible act of robbing a pregnant woman while trying to pose as a um, water company guy. And him and his thug buddies robbed her, and uh, they got caught. Thank goodness he needed five years. But uh, first and foremost, Sky's not had not. You know what he had? He had, a, he had a bad history in terms of crime. Now, that doesn't mean that. Oh, well, just because he's a bad guy, then he deserves this. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I definitely don't think he deserved this. Despite, because you know what we're looking at? We're looking at this situation. You just want to bring that into context and see, okay, you can get a feel for the person, right? Is this random citizen who has a who has a family and, uh, you know, works a nine-to-five, honest, on the, on the straight and narrow? Not, well, maybe for the last five years, possibly. But what happens is... Why are the cops even called on this guy? Well, apparently he's trying to use counterfeit money. And then secondarily, he he had fentanyl and methamphetamine. He had drugs. I'll, I'll back that up a statement. He had drugs in his system. He was high. He was very high, and he was trying to break the law. So, right there, you have criminal acts. This man needs to be arrested. And he was not a small dude. So you could say, okay, maybe it takes a couple officers and they really got to get him on the ground. But he seemed to be complying and there was no struggle there. There was no struggle. And so as you start to piece these things together and you sit there, I'm not, I'm not looking to say, I'm not coming into this saying, this isn't racist. I need to prove it's not racist. I'm the question that I always pose is, oh man, this doesn't look good. Was this racism or was this? Was this instance of bad policing? Yes, there it is a Venn diagram. They can't overlap, but they don't. It, they don't always. You know, a lot of times it's because because you know a racist cop you can say would be a bad cop, but not all bad cops are racist cops. Makes sense. Cool. So you so we get those facts, and then. You look at this situation and looking at it, the more the more that you dig into these sort of things, the more you see that, you know, I don't see signs of a racist system. Definitely not a racist system anywhere here. I there could be personal racial um, bias, if you want to call it, on Chauvin's part, but nothing is overt. What we see is we see a guy who honestly probably should have been fired long ago after all, one of these 18 complaints. Like, he should have been handled and or something, you know? This guy probably shouldn't have still been on the force. Bad cop. That's what we see. We see a bad cop. Now, we do see a criminal in George Floyd. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to sit here and be... The, that's the thing that happens is he, he got memorialized like this great hero figure for... The black movement to end police brutality, but he's not a figure in which that I would classify as. Be, 
He was a victim of police brutality, but in a generic sense. And I am for, which expands to more than just the black community. But the movement that he is becoming a hero for is one that's saying police brutality, really honing in on police brutality against the black community, which he is not necessarily, in, in terms of, a, oh, it's racial, the police are racist, and so there's more police brutality against the black community. No. Uh, I don't think he fits the bill for that. I think this is bad policing, and I think I think if he would have look, I'm just gonna say if he wouldn't have been black, probably wouldn't have heard about this. You might have, you might have still heard about this. It wouldn't have blown up like it did, though. And that's conjecture, sure. And that's just my opinion. So that's the first instance, right? Where it's like, if you really want to, you really want to push for it. That one's a little bit harder. Like, there's still a possibility for some, for some racist things in there, but nothing is crazily overt. And that's the thing, too, is the other, the other thing is that I've heard people kind of go the argument, go the direction of an argument that says, well, it may not be, or they try and make it sound like it's this deep state, like, Illuminati type, like, everyone's a closet racist and they're really sneaky and hiding. No, usually usually when you see racists, they're pretty stupid, they're pretty outspoken, and they're they're pretty it's pretty overt. Like you can figure it out. Yeah, there's there are subtleties, but it's not like this super subtle conspiracy most of the time. Is you when you when you see it. You see when you see whatever remnants of the clan are around, it's very obvious, like, oh, that's a swastika tattoo on your forehead. Yeah, I'm gonna walk the other way. Like they're not trying to hide how they feel. Um, all right. So next instance, oh, what's his name? Rayshawn Brooks, I think, out of Atlanta. This situation, I think, is more overblown than George Floyd because George Floyd was a more innocuous, innocent situation than this one. This one. So this one, if you haven't seen it, basically, guy is in the Wendy's drive-thru late at night, and he passes out. Not falls asleep. He passes out because he had been drinking. And so that obviously caused a problem in the drive-thru line. So Wendy's called the police and say, hey, we got this guy. I don't know if he's okay. I don't know what's going on. Cops come over. They get him to wake up. They get him to pull into a parking spot, and they start talking to him. And this conversation is recorded. They talked to him for, like, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes. And, like, the, the couple-minute clip I saw was the cop, which was leading up to the, the, the altercation, so it's these two cops, and they're talking to, oh, this is a black guy. I, I mean, if you didn't get that already, it should have been kind of obvious. But anyways, there's, they're talking to him and talking to him about, oh, you have some, did you have something to drink? Did you do all this? They do sobriety checks. He does a breathalyzer. He blows a 1.08. And these guys, it gets to a point where the guys are like, all right, like, we're going to have to arrest you. Like, I'm going to need you to put your hands behind your back. Like, we're going to have to take you in. And what happens with this guy? In like the they kind of start to get him behind his back, and then it's nope, not going to prison, and he and he he jumps him basically. So then they start wrestling and wrestling and wrestling, and one of the cops goes for his taser. I think he got tased, but then he gets the other cops. So both cops get their tasers out, and they're wrestling this guy's two on one, trying to wrestle him to the ground. And this guy is trying to get away, and so he. Oh, if you've already seen this, well, you know we're just gonna recount the events. Anyways, he steals a cop's taser. Uh, I believe he successfully tased one of the cops, gets up, starts to run away, starts to point back with the taser again to try and tase him again, and so cops pull out gun, fire shots, and he ends up dead. This is a very tough situation. First question you 
So we look at it and we say, these cops. I, I haven't seen anything come out on the history of these cops having any problems. And also, the video leading up where these cops are trying to be very reasonable and they're talking very calmly. They're not being aggressive. They're trying to make this a routine arrest for a DUI case just to get them in. And what? And this guy, uh, I think it's Rayshard. Rayshard, maybe. Ooh, is it Rashard? Mm, I think it might be Rayshard. I don't know why I'm getting it mixed up. But anyways, he starts resisting and trying to get away and fighting off the officers. So resisting arrest, assaulting an officer, stealing their weapon, and then trying to use the weapon against them. And where it gets sticky is, you know, most people, I think, look at this and say, well, they didn't, it was just a taser, they shouldn't have shot him. But here's the problem. This guy's running away, and it's in the middle of a struggle. And anytime, from the cop's perspective... This is, I've tried, because I try and really understand a cop's perspective and a line of work and just the amount of stress that they're under. But in a situation like this, where you go to arrest the guy and all of a sudden he starts struggling and fighting, what becomes your number one concern? Not that this guy's going to get away, but this guy's going to end up grabbing my gun and killing me. So what, the, what does this become? It becomes a struggle for your life. Now, the same is true for the, I'm not going to call him victim, for the criminal in this instance, in that... He starts struggling with the cops, and ultimately that can become a very quick struggle for your life. And so you have three parties totally, or you have two parties, three people, struggling for their life. He gets away with still a weapon, not a lethal weapon, but still a weapon where if he was able to successfully use it on one of the cops, could then grab their gun, which is the point that has been made countless times, but... And think about it, like it works from both sides. And so it's easy to sit back, watch a video and say, well, you shouldn't have fired. You should have just let him run off. First of all, duty as an officer, it, just to let a criminal go who's dangerous and has my taser. Yeah, that shouldn't fly because you know, what these officers said their first thought was they didn't want him to use that on an innocent bystander around there because that could have been a problem. Notice how. None of this, nothing has come up about race. If I hadn't, if I, if, if we didn't know that this talk, my, the spiel was about race or racism, fishing for racism, then we, and I didn't say the race of any people and I just used generic names. You know what this sounds like? This sounds like a, a criminal who tries to get away from the police and then ends up dead and you know what sucks though is is that we sit there and we're, we're, we hyperanalyze the cops and we say, well, the cops shouldn't have done this, that, that, that. Nobody talks about the personal responsibility of the person being arrested, of the person who the cops are dealing with. Nobody talks about the fact that when a cop comes up to you and is doing something and 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 you go along with it, comply and everything like that, and and then I make the the conscious choice to try and get away and resist then I'm making choices that could potentially lead to my personal harm and or death, depending on what kind of choices and moves I make after this. It is the hard, difficult truth, and nobody wants to see people die in this manner. But at the same time, the cop who shot him is now being, maybe it was this cop, who's being charged, oh no, this cop being charged with felony murder now? Felony murder. And, and honestly, when I looked at this situation, because this came out and it was like another black man shot by a white cop in the back running away is what people said. There was one guy who was on the scene and like, he, I don't know, it was like a 30 second clip and he was like, this, this guy was just sleeping in his car and he ended up shot dead. And I was like, 
well, you clearly don't have the facts. You're just in the moment, and that's all you saw, you know? It, it just comes back to the whole eyewitness testimony actually isn't that reliable sort of scenario, sort of scenario but... It's also just a, there's so much downplaying there that once we saw security camera footage, their body cams got disabled um, in the skirmish, but they were they were working before the skirmish. But then you can see the security camera footage on on the Wendy's thing, and so I just look at this, and then you know what? Guess what? Guess what? Rayshard Brooks has a history. He has a record, um, and I believe it had to do with something along the lines of child abuse. Um, Oh, okay. My computer is just not working right now. So I'm trying, cause I'm trying to pull it up, but huh. And I'm not saying that necessarily plays into it, except for the fact it may be played into his thought process here. And the dishonest thing, statements I've heard come out of this that really piss me off that at first I was like, mm, maybe, but then I realized, no, that just makes me very angry. So they say, this guy was just trying to get some food and get home to his kids. He has kids. Well, if he has kids, maybe you should have thought about that before you went out drinking and then you tried to go and drive to Wendy's when you were very drunk over the legal limit. And then secondarily, but even if you still decided to do that, you know what? You could still, because don't we, don't we look at drunk drivers and drunk driving as killing all these innocent lives and taking all these lives? Because the drunk driver, for whatever reason, sometimes lives, but then the mom with her child in the car ends up dying. And don't and people see that as an atrocity? So let's not forget that. This man's driving drunk here. He's putting so many lives at risk. His own, especially. So there's, there's first decision. Secondly, you got kids you're thinking about? Why don't you take the arrest and the DUI and try and... And, and, and go calmly so you can at least have the chance to see your kids again. Instead, the thought becomes, and now here's the other thing. Yeah, I've been drinking. His judgment is impaired. So it's like once your judgment is impaired, I don't know what to tell you. But like hopefully you still have enough sense to do that to, or to, to, to not do something crazy like that. Yeah, Richard Brooks, not Renard Brooks. Um, and... Wait a minute. Okay. So, so then you decide to try and fight officers and fight their weapons off of them and then get away and then try and aim one of their weapons. Albeit, people started looking at, well, the taser has been fired twice. And so since it's been fired twice, they should have known that it could have been fired again. You're in a life and death struggle. Do you think you're really thinking about stopping and going... How many times has that taser been fired? No. You just see him pointing taser back at you trying to fire and trying to run away. What is your first thought? We need to stop this situation. This, this, this has to get stopped. And decisions got made and things happened. So when you look at the race dynamics, you can sit there and say, well, you know, white, another white cop killed a black guy. Here we go. Same thing again. When you, when you dive into the details, though, you say, sounds to me like it was just a cop criminal situation where the criminal made some very bad decisions and the cop had to make a really hard decision and made his decision um, that ended up ending this criminal's life. And I'm calling him a criminal because he had committed crimes. That's why. And to try and say, well, he was just trying to get home to his kids. No, 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 no. If you're trying to get home to your kids, and if I, if I have kids and I'm trying to get home to my kids and I'm over at someone's house drinking that night and I said, I can't drive. I'm doing two things. One of two things I'm doing. I'm calling an Uber and or my wife, depending on the situation. And then I'm calling, or or 
I'm, I'm going to inform my wife that I've had too much to drink, and I'm going to stay the night and come home in the morning when, when it is safe and legal to do so. But unfortunately, the human condition is such that we always think we're better off than we are, and we, we can't make those decisions. And I could sit back here and criticize his decisions too, just like people criticize the cops' decisions, but you know, I don't know how much it's actually helping. Really, my point of my message is here. That got portrayed. So, so first we had you know George Floyd saying, it's a you know you know racist cops example. I don't think it is, and I think it's pretty reasonable to say that it wasn't. Um, maybe there's a chance for this guy was a tiny hint of a racist, but there's no there's no overt signs of that. There's definitely no overt signs that this co- that the cops in Minneapolis are o- overall racist. Then we look at Richard Brooks, and these are the case, these are the high profile cases that people have brought forward. Richard Brooks, and he. Um, he made some terrible decisions, I will say, um, and ultimately and unfortunately unfolded that he uh, died because of his, because of the decisions made is what I'll say. Then, uh, and, but when you look at it, I, I don't see anything racist about this. There's no, there was no racial profiling. Profiling. This was cops responding to a call, and the guy had been drinking and passed out in his car, and so they were making the appropriate moves. I, I don't see where this is racist, um, but, and so that's another instance where it's like I, I'm not saying there's not racist incidents out there, but the ones that have been picked in this season, right now, it's a really hard case to say that this is some. This is these are signs of racist problems because I'm not seeing that. I mean, I think there's been escalating tension between cops and the public, and particularly the black community, just because of a lot of because in part because of the narratives they've put out, and so cop uh, race relations aren't great necessarily. But um, and right now it's like nobody wants to be a cop. And then lastly, the noose that was not a noose. Bubba Wallace story where he doubled down and people doubled down and said it was a noose, it was a noose, it was a noose. The FBI report called it a noose. First of all, the FBI report that took 15 agents, 15 freaking agents. We have cities burning. We have blocks of Seattle shut down by protesters and people dying in that little autonomous zone, wherever the crap it is. And we're wasting FBI, 15 FBI. I'm not saying the FBI didn't need to investigate, but 15 agents to do this investigation. I could have done this investigation in the, in, in a day by myself with a notepad. Cause what we also find is that, Oh, these are pull strings. And then listening to uh, Mount Walsh, shout out to his show. He, he expressed that this was not a not used with a noose. Oh, while it did look like a noose, first first and foremost, once we found out this had been there since the fall, first thing becomes, okay, so someone thought it was a bad prank, and then it made it since October. It made it eight months without one person sitting there and going, oh, it's a noose, until finally it was the black NASCAR driver was in that garage, and then someone said, it's a noose. You're, you're already starting out from a point where I'm saying, Racist? What? Hate crime instrument? What? No. No. Probably not. And then uh, I got off track though, but Mash Walsh was saying this is a specific type of knot because you. So a noose has this is a slip knot, meaning as you pull on the loop, it gets tighter because when you fall, it tightens around your neck. Ultimately, this isn't 
this knot wouldn't do that because, and you wouldn't want that for a garage pull. And, and, oh, it turns out that there's tons of garage pulls like this, but now we're just trying to say, we're just trying, well, I've never seen one exactly like that. That one was a noose. No, this is ridiculous. Just off of that alone, I'm saying, no, 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 no ball game here. You do not got me. And that, to me, this, this one is real hard fishing for racism here because Particularly the fact it had been around for over for over half a year and nobody had said anything about this before. Oh, why is that? Because NASCAR is the deep south and so there's just racist and bad. Stop it. Stop it. With all the cameras, with all phones, with all social media, someone would have saw that and said something already. So that's where you lost me. Now... And feel free to disprove me and dispute me on any of this stuff because I'm always open to ha- having my mind changed. <clears throat> and, then, and then another fake noose situation, which I love that as a term, you know, fake news, fake noose. Uh, I think it's funny how that lined up was, I believe it was in Oakland. Some guy had set up some, I don't know if they were ropes specifically or straps around a tree to do some TRX workouts or to swing on. And the mayor, I think it was the mayor came out and said, uh, oh, we found these nooses, these nooses. And turns out it was a black guy that set these up and he came out and said, no, 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 I set these up for like people to use in the park to like work out or swing on or whatever. And I'm, I'm going to paraphrase slightly because I don't remember the exact statement, but basically it said intent. This is where you lose me. This is where all reason is out the window. It's like when AOC said, I may not be factually correct, but I'm morally right. It's sometimes more important to be morally right than factually correct, which is a paradox and just no, 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 you can't morally right and factually, no. I'm, I'm done. Said intent did not matter. This is a symbol of hate. Meaning rope hanging from a tree. Symbol of hate. In, in whatever shape or form it is. And whoever put it up. Just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Dude, I don't even need to say more on that one. Because that one is pretty self-explanatory. How ridiculous it is. Even after it came out. Verifiably. That, hey, this wasn't any sort of, like, hate crime or hate symbol. And it turns out, too, there was apparently, like, peaceful protests. I don't know. In that park, there was a couple protests or at least large gatherings a week before or something. When, and those ropes had been up for a while and plenty of people had been around there. But then someone cried wolf about it and and now it turns into a hate crime incident. And so, you just, it just it's just ridiculous at this point. Like, those... Those last two are just ridiculous. The other ones, you got to dig into the details and look through and really break it down. But these two, more verifiably comes out that, hey, this wasn't a hate crime. And you still try and come back and say, no, 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 it's a symbol of hate and there's hate here. It's like, at what point are you clearly fishing for this? Like, you're fishing so hard. You've, you've, you've like chummed all the water around you and begging sharks to come and eat you because you, you're like, there's sharks in these waters. I know there's sharks in these waters. Here, let me, let me. So put out, you know, these put out a thousand pounds of chum all around me in a hundred mile radius, and I'll get I'll get bit by a shark. That's that's what that's like. It's just ridiculous. But I gotta wrap this up. Really, what I'm getting at is we gotta stop. We gotta look at it. And we gotta truly break it down. And I think I think I think. There's a lot of people right now fishing for this racism. They want it to be this way and they can't even, some people can't even accept when you look at it and say, oh, because like with both nooses, when you find out those facts, my first and really the, the, the first response and the end of the response should be, oh, 
Okay, cool. Guy using those are just TRX straps. Oh, that's just the garage pull down, and all the garages have them. Oh, cool. Well, what a relief. No problem there. But people want to then use that even even after that's been kind of disproven. They want to continue to use that to try and push their ideology, and it's just like stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. You are reading into something where there is nothing. You are trying to turn another page on this book and you're on the back cover and you're pretending like you're turning more pages and reading more out of the book. And there's nothing there. And I'm tired of it. We've got we to speak up and you got to call it out. You got to start calling out this nonsense because this has gotten out of hand. People are, people are afraid. People are out of work. Businesses being vandalized. This is a problem. We've got to figure out how we are going to come together here and say, and, and actually address the real problems and really try and look into f- reform. Notice I never talked about how, oh, well, I don't think we should defund the police or um, the police are fine as it is. No, systems could always be – the systems are, are generally good. It's the people that are flawed. That's what we find. And so we can always look – I'm always looking to change and do better and improve. And I think we always can. So that that's, that's where I'm going to – that's where I'm going to cut it off here today is we've got to figure out a way where we can kind of come back together in some middle ground, some Switzerland, some, some demilitarized zone, so to speak, metaphorically speaking, where we can come together and we can have some good, healthy conversations and figure things, figure some things out and have people who are willing to be reasonable and not just die on their political or ideological hill. We've got to do something. I don't know exactly what that is. I hope maybe this helps a little bit because the thing is, I'm not afraid for people to come back at me, and I, and, I, and I want them to, but don't attack me. Attack my ideas. Attack the things I talked about. Refute them with facts. Let's have a conversation. Let's do it. So, theramblingviking at gmail.com. Send me an email on any and all your thoughts, or if you want to come on the show, we can have a live discussion on a hot mic. I'm for that because that's easier than doing an, an email correspondence because you'll, you'll, you don't want to have to write 10,000 words to get your full message across, and then I don't want to have to read that on air. It'll be a whole episode by itself. So I'm fine with that. But the ramblingviking at gmail.com is where you can get in touch with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys have a great um, day, week, weekend, and then ultimately 4th of July. Thanks.